0: Sí, sí stepped aside from their roles this week, but only one was met with a replacement. Pat Crowley is now managing partner at Essence Media Com with Aussie abroad Pippa Berlaka returning home as his replacement. While Laura Arlington is out at Host Havas, the succession plan and the French holding group looks a little less clear. Add to that a few more senior role changes, plus Mark Richardson resurfacing at Marley Spoon. Welcome to the Mumbrella cast. I'm Callum Jasper. Joining me to discuss all of this, Mumbrella's editor, Olivia Krimmel. Hey, Liv.
1: Hello. Hello.
0: And journalist Khalila Welch, welcome back for your first appearance of the year, K Dog. Thank you, Cal. Then later on, founder and global CEO of AKQA, Ajaz Ahmed, joins the podcast to discuss how his agency are already using AI, solving problems for tech giants at the age of 15, and why he's not hot on the metaverse, or as he calls it, the meta worst. <laughs> Let's start with the first big appointment of the week. Um, A week on from its launch, Group M's Essence MediaCom has a new CEO in Pippa Berlocker. After a few weeks of industry chatter about Pat Crowley's role, he's moving away from the top job into a more client-leading role as managing partner. Crowley had been appointed as Essence CEO in 2021 and then oversaw the bringing together of the two agencies alongside Amy Buchanan. Now he's looking to prioritise his happiness alongside his strengths, leaving behind the operational role for one which he said was more on the tools. Liv, a lot of changes at Essence Media come over the last years, a lot of names, a lot of different people. Now the latest with Crowley stepping down, Locker isn't massively known in market. Do you think this is a good move?
1: Well, as a fellow returnee from Singapore, I say welcome back, Pippa, and all the best, (laughs) firstly. And secondly, I do think it's a good move. I think that, as you said, the agency has been through a lot of change in the past few years and getting someone external in is is a good move because it's neither them or us. She's Mm -hmm. fresh. She doesn't have any prejudice towards either of the two brands. And uh, as you said, Pat's move is is quite clever as well, because if you think about it, he's the one that does have more knowledge of the market of clients. And for him to be moving into that more client facing role means that he can focus on the clients, which Pippa won't necessarily have as much input on, at least not in the first instance, because she's coming from out of market. And as you said, the fact that the CEO role really is a, a BAU role. Like there's a lot of, of business as usual tasks to get on top of, which by having Crowley as the, the client facing person, it means he's not getting bogged down by all of that. So I actually think this is quite a clever strategy by the team.
0: Yes, I found speaking to both Pat and Amy yesterday, he was very candid about um, the move. Uh, as we sort of said, he wants to do something which he's going to kind of continue enjoy doing that job. And he said, Getting on with Amy, it was pretty essential to that too. I think for the agency, obviously, as you say, they're keeping him around was essential. I'm sure there would be many agencies that would be um, keen to welcome Pat to their ranks due to, you know, as as they weren't shy of mentioning his relationship with Combank. So that will be important to to keep him around there. Do you think uh, we we saw a few client moves coming out of the agency at the end of last year? I'm sure sort of as I mentioned there, there will be a few circling with as, as they do with the big changes at a big agency. Um, do you think this is likely to continue live as it sort of does get to grips with the new proposition of the agency and, you know, getting so many ducks in a row?
1: That's definitely to be expected and that's probably why Pat's move is so key because it's to create some consistency there and, and also to make sure that there aren't any clients at risk of flight. I would say as well, the other big challenge for both him and people going forward will be making sure that any staff that are flight risks are addressed because obviously when there is lots of change, people get a bit unsettled and there's uncertainty and, you know, particularly in the market that we all find ourselves in at the moment with the economy as it is. I I think there will be a lot of people both internally and externally wondering, you know, what what's the longevity in terms of both their relationship or their role, et cetera. So I expect we'll see more clients moving. Uh, the clients who moved at the end of last year, obviously some were because of conflict reasons. Others were just because of, you know, um, budget reasons or better opportunities with other agencies, et cetera. They still have some pretty big name clients globally, and, and they have been very um, proactive to emphasize the synergies and and the benefits for these global clients of the new merged entity. So it will be interesting to see what happens. I think we'll just have to wait and see which clients, you know, stick around for those benefits to come to fruition and which clients decide that they want to go elsewhere, either for cost reasons or relationship reasons.
0: Yeah. And and, and just a final point, sort of back to what you said at the start, there. they have on the, um, the leadership team across the agency, there is a, a quite an even mix of those coming from the Essence side of the business, those coming from the Mediacom side of the business, but you've also got some pretty highly rated talent in Matt Scott and um, Stephanie douglas Neil coming in from PhD as well, amongst others making up that leadership team. So I guess keeping them all happy will be an interesting challenge, but one we uh, look forward to seeing them do their best at. Moving along swiftly to... Another piece of news yesterday that host Havas's CEO, Laura Aldington, will be leaving her role after six years, citing new challenges and a total of 16 years at the agency. Aldington is the second CEO to leave the Havis Group in the last three months following the departure of Havis PR CEO Simone Gupta in November, raising questions, I guess you would say, about the future of the holding group's le- leadership structure locally. Interesting to see what happens here now, Khalil. We've gone from three leaders running the Havis Village to one in just a matter of months with Anthony Friedman, who was... Um, chairman in market leaving recently too. What do you think we see next here at Havas?
2: I definitely think, um, you know, as you mentioned, Virge Highland is now the last CEO standing of the Havas village, if you will, but I think definitely we're going to see some change. I think the fact that all of these departures have come in such a short period of time it's very unlikely that it's coincidental. There could be a few things happening, as you mentioned. One could be that we see, like some other agencies have done, is it coming on the under the one banner um, with more of a full service offering and a leadership structure in that sense. And um, you know, obviously, with that local chair job open um, now, the creative CEO role open, and Havas has also made it clear that they have no intentions to replace the PR CEO role with um, new leadership. Roles instilled at one green bean, taking on the remit of that former of, of Gupta's former role. The other thing that could potentially be happening is keeping the the three agencies, you know, separate, but reporting in under one structure. It's it, time will time will tell as to what's going to happen. But I definitely think with hosts of us having hinted that they'll be bringing in a new CEO or announcing a new CEO role very soon, I think we will find out pretty soon what direction this is going to go in and um, whatever that appointment looks like, I think will probably indicate what the future of the agency village is going to be.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean there's a couple of um, aspects to this. We mentioned that Anthony Friedman, he's the, f- the founder of Host and One Green Bean. Obviously, those being brought into the the group uh, around six years ago, that was when Laura moved into that role. Um, Gaging the temperature across the industry some are kind of suspecting that the remaining factions of the, the sort of host side of that host havas merger will sort of be leaving with with laura as well who um could have been quite protective maybe over that sort of legacy there ollie taylor the chief strategy officer is um i believe the last remaining partner of of host. so whether or not he sticks around will be one to watch out for. We saw Laura mention that she's going to be seeing us soon, suggesting that she might be walking into another role fairly quickly. But suggestions uh, for a replacement there. Some have put forward the name of um, Chris Kay, former BMF um, and 72 and Sunny leader locally in market here. And he's just finished up or is finishing up, I should say, a shortish stint as uh, CEO of Saatchi and Saatchi over in the UK. So whether or not that's a that's the fit they'll be looking for, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. And then final bit of news, which we reported on yesterday, is um, James Greet, Chief Operating Officer at Hero, obviously the uh, previous boss at a couple of other um, media agencies in market. He's, he's left that role after uh, just under two years. He was brought in in 2021 after a six-month stint as advisor. Um, really just to help bring together that slate of agency acquisitions that Ben Lilly had made after his acquisition of McCann from IPG. Seems like it's a bit of a case of job done. Now Hero is that sort of integrated agency solution. And we understand Greet is going to be launching his own business. Um, Briefly spoke to him yesterday. He said there's a bigger opportunity for growth personally and professionally now with a, a sense of independence now. Coming up after the break, Aldi marketer Mark Richardson resurfaces at Marley Spoon. Last bit of news here. So after a few months of speculation, the former Aldi marketer Mark Richardson has taken up a role at Marley Spoon as its chief marketing and commercial officer. As part of the move, Kate Whitney will be moving from the food kit delivery service to Treasury Wines. Liv, Mark is pretty highly regarded after a successful stint at Aldi in which the marketing team did win a number of awards during that time. This is maybe not the move some had suspected. Why Marley Spoon, do you think? And what's the job he's been pitched?
1: Yeah, it's definitely not, I think, what people expected. Although Marley Spoon is a sex-listed, it is a growing category I guess there's lots of opportunity. He does have, you know, that commercial in his title, which you mentioned earlier, which I did read somewhere that apparently that was thanks to his predecessor, Whitney, who added that into the the title uh, because the four Marley Spoon brands operate in each their own marketplace. So she thought that that was an important thing to add to that role. Um what I find actually more interesting about all of this musical chairs for these CMOs is, is Jenny's move from uh, Westpac to Audi. I thought his predecessors obviously got um, a new role as well at a Treasury, although that's a return to wine for her. And I don't blame her, to be honest, working in the wine industry, probably a bit more fun than the food <laughs> kit industry of the spectrum. That's surprising from, from my perspective, but uh, I'm sure we'll see lots out of uh, mark in his new role especially given her role is is a new role so she can really you know put her own stamp on that but yeah it, it is a, it is a bit of a, a surprise although I think marketers you know he was there for six years that's a pretty good stint for marketing roles and also as I mentioned it is a growing category and I'm sure there'll be plenty to see from them in due course I also saw uh recently coverage that you know they've they've got a diversified uh, business model in that they they put other brands within their kits and there's other revenue streams coming in line with that. So I'm sure we've got plenty to see from him and Marley Spoon.
0: Uh, and Kalila, we did obviously talk at uh, quite a length last year when Mark was leaving Aldi and Jenny was appointed. As Liv says, their new category uh, the Aldi team, very much known for its sort of more left of field creative output. Do you think we can expect a similar output now from Marley Spoon?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, the first thing that I would expect from this appointment is that we will probably see more of Marley Spoon. Um, obviously, you know, bringing in a, a marketer of, of Mark's caliber and also of his reputation is Uh, quite a significant investment in marketing and in growth for Marley Spoon and it's also I guess a signal to their competition that they are willing to take things further and they are probably looking to take on maybe a majority market share um, in the In the meal kit industry, anecdotally, they haven't been the most visible. I'm sure everybody's seen the HelloFresh advertising um, across their social media feeds. It, you know, has kind of penetrated pretty much every influencer in Australia at this point, I would say. It'll be quite interesting to see um, where, you know, Mark takes the business in terms of its creative partner. You know, Marley Spoon launched their last campaign in Early 2020 in January of 2020, and they've been pretty quiet since. That campaign was worked on by Able Creative and produced by Heckler. But it'll be really interesting to see if you know they are looking at bringing in a more um, permanent creative agency. And there might be an opportunity in this for BMF um, to bring in a new client and, and continue to work with Mark Richardson, who they've obviously had a really good relationship with for the past few years.
0: Coming up next, AKQA's founder and global CEO, Ajaz Ahmed. Today's guest is the founder and chief executive of digital agency, AKQA, Ajaz Ahmed. He founded AKQA when he was 21 years of age, straight out of university in 1994. Now almost 30 years later, it's one of the world's largest digital ad agencies and has been for quite some time. Thank you for joining me, Ajaz. Uh, How are you? I'm great, thank you, Callum. Thank you for
3: the opportunity to share our story and and be on your show. We appreciate it very much.
0: Uh, You're based in London. It doesn't look like you're in the office right now, but um, how's it all going over there? uh, Has agency land returned to normality?
3: Absolutely. Well, we, like many agencies, lockdown completely transformed the way that we work. So prior to lockdown there really wasn't much work from home but since lockdown took place we've completely embraced work from home and flexible working and it's had a profoundly positive effect for our team so we're really big believers in Daniel Pink's thesis about what motivates people is these kind of three factors of autonomy, mastery and purpose so autonomy where you have control over the way you work and flexibility over the way you work so you can put in your best effort and and come up with the best solution. Mastery is the opportunity to be an expert in a particular field and purpose the idea that hopefully we're working for an organization that has a has good intentions and also clients that have good intentions and that's certainly the hope with all the work that we do so we always as you know we we, we have this motto which is the imaginative application of art and science and Mm -hmm. I love the way the team have recently changed that to imaginative application of artificial intelligence because we're embedding AI across just about everything that we do and the way we look at it we, we really don't look at AI, artificial intelligence as a threat. We look at these incredible technologies like computer vision and large language models and machine learning and robotics as as tools to augment what we do and and help us and and help society, really. So we're super excited about the developments, And in some ways, our sincere belief is that the reason the internet was invented was was for artificial intelligence. <laughs> well, it's one thing, yeah, up until now, the, the great innovations across the internet have been predominantly customer self-service on the one hand, where an individual can do something that you used to have to phone a call center and get an operator to do. So whether that's e-commerce or, or other services, and then the other aspect is multimedia convergence so where you can you know you've got content on demand use on demand and so artificial intelligence is a you know the 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 information and augmentation and knowledge and insights it can provide are really exciting and anyone who's who's played with any of the artificial intelligence applications mm-hmm. that have become famous will we'll, you know will be can't fail to be impressed
0: yeah that, that's really interesting i mean i was going to get on to that in a little bit that was as you'd probably expect something we were going to to chat about but uh, i mean so is this is this something that you've been sort of embedding for quite some time now obviously it's right now it's in vogue it's what everyone's talking about it's what you know half the opinion pieces that we get on mumbrella are about do you, do you see any downsides to it or is it fully just uh, an enhancer for what you're already doing?
3: Well, I think with our industry, there's a lot of, often there's a, there's a lot of, I suppose, excitement about new technologies when, when they occur. So there used to be lots of talk about blockchain and crypto and NFTs, and we weren't particularly bullish about those technologies. There was certainly some work that was done about them. And then there was another aspect, which was to do with the metaverse. And our point mm-hmm. of view on the metaverse is we called it the metaverse. So we, we weren't particularly bullish about the metaverse. But the good version of the metaverse has always existed in entertainment or video games, or, you know, so, but the kind of fake version that's a new second life. You know, it, it's had a short. Once again, the the loyalty to it's been incredibly transient. So, our our perspective is that we we've we've embedded AI into our company for years. So you you remember an idea that we developed about three years ago called Speedgate,
0: mm-hmm. and it
3: was the first game, physical game that was invented by an AI. So so we fed the machine all the different sports and it created a new a new game. And it also created the logo at the time. So we, we've been embedding, and, and recently we've been embedding AI across some e-commerce applications as well. And we've had staggeringly brilliant results. So it's been something that is very important for our teams to, to, to embed across the entirety of the organize, both the organization and the work that we're doing for our clients and 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 there's real excitement and, and and optimism rather than we none of us feel threatened by the technology we we see it as in the same way that you have the software version of co-pilot we see that some of these tools as as being a co-pilot for 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 creativity as well
0: so, so we go back uh, almost thirty years now, as we mentioned, straight out of uni. Um, tell us a little bit of the back. back so were you always creatively minded? What kind of, I guess, prompted you to get into the creative industries with that sort of new media spin, as it was it was then called at the time.
3: Yeah, I was very lucky to grow up in a part of the UK that's known as the Thames Valley, which basically became the Silicon Valley of mm-hmm. the UK. So near where I lived, sprouting up all over the place were these incredibly exciting and cutting-edge software and hardware companies. And one of them happened to open its office just, just up the road from where I lived. And I wrote them letter after letter after letter. And most of them they ignored. And then, you know, and this is from the age of 12, I really fell in love with their building and I wanted to work in the building. So I kept writing them letters. And they ignored every single letter until I was 15. And then I decided to change my approach. And instead of writing them a letter asking for a job, I wrote them a letter saying what I could do. And a week later, I got a hand-delivered letter from the company. And they said, you can, as soon as you've got your holidays, you can come and work here. So I went to work for them. And the managing director of the company, a, a brilliant man called Paul Sloan, who I'm still in touch with and he writes books on on lateral thinking and they they do quite well actually and in fact the first day i i joined when the first day i went to work to ashton tate when i was 15 i said hello to paul in his his office and he gave me a lateral thinking puzzle and luckily i I kind of was able to, to to answer it but he did something really apart from lateral teaching me about lateral thinking he also did something else incredibly remarkable for me which is he He said, what we're going to do with you is is rotate your experience so you're getting to to work across all the different departments in in our company. So I would work in the finance department, sales department, operations, logistics, marketing. And when I was in the finance department, I would kind of understand what some of the problems were they were facing and, and, and confronting. And I just used their own software to help fix them. So I wrote a streamlined version of, their, of a kind of purchase order database, which allowed them to track purchase orders much better. And then you know, and, and, the, and, and these little ideas and solutions would then get the attention of other departments who then would give me other work. So you can just imagine as a 15-year-old kid, <laughs> I was learning from what was then the, most, the third most valuable software company in the world. So as an, an incredible American software company, you know, at the age of fifteen, your formative years—did you just you know, learn so much? Were and they paying you at the, the time? <laughs> I was fifty. Yeah, they were. They were. <laughs> they were paying me. They were paying me when I started two pounds an hour. Oh my god! And then I remember during the summer of that year, when I went to work from in the summer holidays again, I got a hand delivered letter to my desk where they. Doubled my salary
0: to four pounds an hour. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's fantastic. Uh, so I guess from there, you know, you went to uni. Um, and then, um, I understand uh, you had you had a few offers from some agencies, but you you ended up um opting to just uh go out alone. Is that right? Yeah, so what happened was I did.
3: I worked for the software company in my school holidays and in the evenings, and I would obviously go to school during the day. And when it came, you know, I I did my A-levels and I got an unconditional offer from the University of Bath to study business there. And I really didn't want to say no to that because, you know, I think I would have, if I hadn't gone to university, I think I would have regretted it for the rest of my life. But in the meantime, I got the opportunity to work with Apple in their head office in Uxbridge, in an incredible building in Stockley Park. And there I, I learned, again, a vast amount. You can imagine learning from the, the most profound technology brand in the world, again, at age 18, 18 years old, 18, 19 years old. So, so while I was working with Apple, They'd had some research that they, they paid for in association with Harvard University, which identified the next breakthrough in the technological revolution was going to be what they called convergence. So the convergence of multimedia. So music, sound, film, motion, text, All coming together, all on demand, all interactive, and at that time it was simply a theory. It wasn't a reality, and there were some initial experiments. You know, Apple had something called eWorld, and CompuServe had their own version, and AOL had their own version. But it was nothing like, you know, not even close to 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 what the internet would have become. And then I I joined, went to university. And while I was at university, one of my friends took me to the computer lab and showed me a browser and the internet. And I realized that was convergence. And obviously, because I've been working for these incredible technology companies as a kid, I realized that they work with organizations to help them as, as partners, as technological partners. And we wanted to be one of them. So we wrote a guide to using the internet for marketing called interface we wrote another one about called called netiquette the rules and and both of these publications got a significant amount of attention and you know we we would then build prototypes for, for many of our potential clients who then appointed us and and then AKQA grew from there and because we were one of the earliest organizations in, in, in this new field, we garnered a lot of press attention, media attention, and that media attention would, would become global. So in 2001, Accenture was looking to partner with an agency, a creative agency that had digital in its DNA that was, that was built for this new technology. And we were very lucky that Accenture chose AKQA to be its partner, and so Accenture made an investment of around, you know, alongside another company called Francisco Partners, and Francisco Partners is a sister company to Sequoia, the legendary investment firm in in, in Silicon Valley, and so both Francisco Partners and Accenture invested in AKQA, and they helped us to grow from the UK internationally. And then about five or six years after Accenture invested in us, another, again, amazing and legendary investment firm called General Atlantic bought out Francisco and Accenture's share. And and then a few years later, we had a meeting with Martin Sorrell, who ran WPP at the time, and then WPP acquired AKQA
0: obviously you know there's several points there do you think at any point that the purpose or I guess the function of the agency changed did did it change after it was then acquired in 2012 by WPP or has it sort of remained the same vision since when you started out well when you
3: started the conversation Callum you called us a digital advertising agency Mm -hmm. and it's interesting that since the acquisition by WPP because WPP is seen as a advertising agency, that we get called a digital advertising agency. Whereas if you asked our team what it is we do, we would say design and innovation. And mm-hmm. so if you have a look at akqa.com, you see the the vast majority of our work is user experience, design, app development, e-commerce, and that that's a vast amount of our work business transformation but in addition to that we do do some incredible storytelling work as well so you know there's there's a phenomenal film that's on the, the the site right now that we launched for gofundme where we we took the top stories from the gofundme fundraising and they were then converted into stunningly beautiful illustrations which were then animated using artificial intelligence so it's incredible how that use of artificial intelligence and creativity can create so much emotion and and again it shows you how it can really be 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 an incredibly inspiring and 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 brilliant brilliant tool and obviously the soundtrack helps a lot that you know the with with any film sound design and music is at least 50, you know, 50% of the emotion and, and that. And so we definitely do films and story. And the bulk of our work is experience design, business transformation, helping our clients become better at e-commerce and, and better at their customer experience design as well. Actually going, going forward by 2026 it's predicted that the business You know, the digital transformation market is going to be worth 3.4 trillion, which is incredible. And that's that's IDC who did that research.
0: It's very interesting. I was going to, I was actually, I had written down that I was going to ask you how you would define the company now. Because, you know, as you you say, you know, I think maybe it's the easy description to call it a a digital agency. But you talk about um, design and innovation um, one of the ethos is that you've instilled in AKQA is the future faster. You obviously got onto mentioning AI already, but what else is sort of taking your interest going forward? Is that is there anything else in particular that's sort of exciting you in that innovation space?
3: Well, what's brilliant is that digital transformation is the top agenda item on just about every role in any organization. So if you spoke to a chief marketing officer today. The chief marketing officer's focus is digital transformation and how they can build an ecosystem, how they can connect better with their audiences, how they can expand their relationship with their audiences. And so helping to build these direct relationships and, and, and build thriving ecosystems is, is, is front, of, front and center of, of every department's minds and in addition to that you know the other aspect that's important to every brand is removing all the pain points removing all the points of friction so that a customer has an incredible seamless and beautiful experience with the organization that they engage with so when when you're focused on innovation there's really limitless opportunity to, to be of service to to the clients and the audiences that that we that we work with,
0: yeah, I mean sort of on that, you know you're thirty years into this same role with the same company. one might wonder why you still do it or how you still have the hunger to do it. Is it just that what you've just said is that the the arena is constantly changing and the task is different every time you approach it.
3: Well, one of the reasons is, Callum, since I was a teenager, that I've always loved technology and I've always loved creativity. And I suppose that's reflected in having the opportunity and the passion to work with incredible software companies or gaming companies or indeed Apple when I was a teenager. And getting that opportunity, all it did was nurture and kindle my interest in technology and creativity more and then starting AKQA at age 21 and being you know as as we've always been at the cutting edge of of the new technologies and creativity it inspires me every single day and the you know the key aspect is we've got the best team we've ever had we've got the best clients we've ever had and we're doing the best work we've ever done. And I and I suppose I, I absolutely love the work that we do. The the team we have all over the world is the best team we've ever had. And the clients are absolutely brilliant and really give us a blank canvas to help add value to you know to their goals and and, and desired outcomes. So in that environment, I feel like we're really just at the beginning of what's possible. When I look at some of the early examples of how we've embedded AI either into our systems as a company or into the work we're doing for our clients, it's really exciting. Um, Mm -hmm. And again, it feels like the birth of the internet, again, in terms of the territory is yet to be defined. But as long as we're contributing and and adding value and, and hopefully thinking of ideas that that move things forward and inspire our, our the our audiences and, and our employees and our clients then 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 that's then that's a good thing i feel like i suppose i'm really lucky that i've got a job where i'm passionate about the job and i'm really lucky that i get to work with people who i respect and admire so much and you know we don't take it for granted that we've got some incredible People across you know every studio in every part of the world. We, you know we've got we've got the best team we've ever had.
0: Obviously, you know you mentioned some of them through this this conversation. Is there a brand or a company that you, you haven't worked with uh, in your career so far that you'd you'd love to, or maybe it's a particular problem uh, or help fix a problem uh, that you'd like to solve?
3: Well, we'd love to work with OpenAI. <laughs> so that, that's one that's one client we'd love to work with, and I think in terms of the problems we'd, we'd love to solve, there's so there's so many that that we could really you know contribute to and and, and help with, and 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 hopefully we can you know our teams can continue to do that.
0: You've made it very clear that you're sort of already on the front front foot with AI. Um, are there any conversations? I guess within this industry that you think that maybe the mainstream is currently missing or conversations that companies and agencies maybe are not having right now that they should be
3: i think there's too much focus on the metaverse mm-hmm. that you know i just I, I just find that at the moment this this current version of it and and i don't mean the video game side of it you know, the yeah. video game side of it has been established for a long time and it's brilliant and it engages people and it's not plonky and it works really well but the idea of these large goggles and you know, doing something in a more complicated and plonky way than you would normally, it just doesn't work. It's just sort of ridiculous. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of these bandwagons that people jump on and that they aren't necessarily a commercial reality. They're, they're Yeah, that they could be interim steps in 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 what in what's going to happen but you know some some organizations seem quite happy to waste their money in them (laughs) it doesn't you know it doesn't make sense to our clients
0: and just finally i do have to get an australia specific question in here How, how do you sort of see things from afar um in australia right now obviously AKQA is present in so, so many markets. Uh, is this, I guess, a time to be worried or is this a time to to sort of be bullish with creativity and kind of double down on that front?
3: I think bullish with creativity, bullish with innovation, really is such a phenomenal country where there, there is such beautiful aspects of design and service. And, and you know, I've been to Australia before lockdown I, I would come to Australia you know once a year so I I absolutely love my visits there've I've enjoyed it and you know BV Brian Vella and the team keep mm-hmm. me in touch with with everything the, the that we're doing so and and you know we're regular I'm regularly in touch with the team in Australia so I I love the work that we're doing and I, and I especially love there's so much work we're doing that's at the cutting edge for some of the brands and the organizations we work with in Australia, it's used as a test market before it's rolled out across, across the world. And there's also many projects that we're doing, which are house projects that are quite inspirational. So you'll see, you know, you'll know about the incredible work we did with tennis, where through the technology, our, our incredible team produced an innovation, that allows people who have sight impairments to be able to enjoy a game of tennis or indeed any, any sport through audio. So, and, yeah. and, and that innovation is called action audio. So that, that was developed by our brilliant Australia team and it's, you know, and it's being picked up now all over the world. So that's an exciting, you know, that, that, that's an incredible inspiration. And then we also did the alternative Vivaldi's Four Seasons, which took climate data and showed if if the projections carry on the way the they are about the climate change, how different Vivaldi's incredible score will sound. And, and it is genuinely haunting and genuinely disturbing when you listen to what... It might sound like if we don't take the urgent action that we all need to today mm-hmm. to prevent um, the climate change catastrophes that are taking place. So for us, Australia and New Zealand are an, an area where it's an, it's an incredible opportunity for innovation and experimentation, where a lot of those ideas aren't just of service to the citizens and, and the people of, of, of Australia, but but also they end up being deployed and celebrated and shared all over the world.
0: Well, we hope to see you out here sooner, Jazz. It's been fantastic having you on the podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time.
3: Thanks, Callum. I'm sorry about my, my interruption. Sorry about
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> that is it for another week on the Mumbrella cast. Please make sure to subscribe on the podcast platform that you find us on. And visit mumbrella.com.au to keep hearing from Mumbrella on the biggest stories in media and marketing. Kalila, thank you very much for joining me. Liv, thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Kyle. Thanks for having us.
0: And thanks again to Jazz for joining us too. See you next week.